episode 162 of the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. Welcome everybody. I'm Lyndall, standing in for Mel, and I'm here with Scotty. G'day, Scotty. G'day, Lyndall. You nearly called me Mel again. I did. I did. <laughs> Isn't it funny? It's habit. So we're three weeks in, and, and you're much more than a stand-in. <laughs> I don't think Mel's listening. I don't think she's, so we can say whatever we want. Oh, I'm sure she's gone right off Park Run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a real possibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, Lindor, 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 it's great to have you back for 162. And you know what? I was listening to um, With Me Now during the week, as you do, and they mentioned a little stat that there was 186 episodes of the Park Run show. So I made a little mental note that I'm now making an audio note that um, our goal is to get to 187 episodes of the Parkrun Adventures so we can say we are the longest running Parkrun podcast in existence. That's a good goal, Scotty. That's not yeah. too far away. No, we've only got to get through a couple more months and we're there. Or even sooner, we could just smash out a few more podcasts. Two Do they a week? Have to be weekly? <laughs> Three times a week. You know, my favourite podcast, they're, they're in a little bit of a quiet spot now and I only get one podcast a week and I'm having a really I'm, – I'm having a hard time consoling it because it's like they used to do three a week. I'd get it every second day. It just fed my need. And now I'm asking random people for podcast requests. I'm searching, trialling all these different podcasts and uh, maybe, maybe we just need to do three a week next week. Well, for us to do that, I suspect that because park runs only once a week. Yes. We might have to make sure that we're running more than just park runs. So last week, Scotty, we talked about how you'd made a commitment to run four times a week. And I jumped in and foolishly, maybe in retrospect, said, that's a great idea, Scotty. I'm going to do the yeah. same thing. Good. Good. So you've you've joined me because I'm right on track. You're on track. Had, That's fantastic news. I'm in week three of four weeks of consistent running, and you are. Well, one out of two of us isn't too bad. That's okay. a fifty. That's a pass rate, right? If one of us is doing it. Yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah. Did you get through one week? I look. I've I've park run. <laughs> I'm sorry to admit it. I I feel very ashamed of myself, but no, you should never um, feel ashamed of park running, Wendell. Oh, I'm not hey. ashamed of park running. I'm ashamed <laughs> that I didn't run another time when I said I'd run another three times. It's okay. We've talked about this. Life gets in the way. Life is busy. It's okay. It's okay. I I went through twelve months of it just park running. So and I'm that didn't really do chuffed. You any harm? Look oh, at you. I did. No, <laughs> it did. Well, I tell you, I went on my run tonight and we've coined a new uh, phrase that I'm going to start tagging all my runs with, which is um, it's the tight around the tummy. So a lot of my a lot of my shirts are tight around the tummy now. So if um, you look at, see the hashtag tat, I'm giving the tat a new meaning. Well, I think I should hashtag everything that I ever post on social media at the moment with that hashtag, Scotty, because <laughs> everything's tied on me at the moment. Yeah. Let's make a trend. Let's make a trend. Well, maybe we should yeah. not make a trend. Maybe we should make a trend <laughs> of trying to not have to post yeah. that hashtag. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, to get around that, you know what I've done? I've um, 
I've really brought into my mate Barney, who I bagged out last week on the podcast, and he's taken me to task um, that I told him off. Remember, he he ran early, and I had to tell him off. Yes. Well, he he took off, and I had to tell him off. Yep. But I'm going to give him some kudos here because he set up these weekly challenges on Garmin Connect. Now I'm not sure what running what you've got, but I'm I'm veering away from Strava since the partnership ended with Parkrun and Strava. They're a bit on the nose with me. I just it's it's very busy. There's lots happening on Strava, and it doesn't it doesn't give you that much information. And I'm I'm going towards Garmin Connect, and he set up these weekly challenges, which is just a step challenge. We've all done them. But there's a little group and it's actually really motivating me and it's highlighting how inactive I am yep. during the day. Like I sit all day because yep. I work from home. If I go for lunch, I walk down the hallway. To your kitchen. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even walk out of the building, go to, go to the cafe, pick up a sandwich, whatever. I walk 20 metres down my hallway. Yeah, wow. And this this is scary at the end of the day. Yes. So, what this this challenge is motivating me is to get a bit more active during the week. So thanks, thanks Barney for that. See Barney, you've redeemed yourself. Good on yeah. you, my friend. <laughs> well, I've redeemed myself in his eyes for telling him off. Fantastic. That's a oh, great that's story. So this is what you need to do, Lyndall. You need do you, do you wear a Garmin? You I a do. Tom-tom? Yes, I have a Garmin. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to add you to our challenge. Cool. You're going to be with all these people that you don't know, but it doesn't matter. It'll motivate <laughs> you. To not be last, <laughs> which was my motivation in the early days. And I'm trying to sit about mid-table these days because there are some crazy people in there who do half marathons on the way to work. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who does that? Not their me, commute, I don't. I don't. Uh, their commute mm. is 21K. Right. Well, I'm certainly not doing that yeah. at this point in time. All right, Scotty, you're on. You can add me to your group and you can see how few steps I'm doing at the moment. Okay, okay good. <laughs> um, but let, should we just recap on Parkrun? Everyone was waiting to see where we went last week. Well, maybe one person Maybe. Was. Maybe, maybe you were wondering where I was going and I was wondering yep. where you were going. Yep. So where did you go? I went to St. Lucia Parkrun. St. Lucia is um, just west of the Brisbane city. Um, It's a park run on a university campus, um, a university that I won't name because I work for the other university in town. Um, So I'm not giving them any free publicity. (laughs) Um, Look, it's a lovely spot to run on a sand track there. Lots of trees. It was a bit chilly. Um, we, there was a couple of us touristing from the northern suburbs of Brisbane over to St. Lucia and we were joined by a few other, I'm going to call them Park Run orphans from South Bank Park Run. So South Bank Park Run, which is right in the smack bang in the city of Brisbane, had to cancel oh. last weekend because there was maintenance in the City Botanic Gardens. So there's a few orphans there at St. Lucia. A few. Yep. Southbank's a massive event, so there would have been like hundreds of orphans. I wonder where they all went. They, they didn't all go to St. Lucia. They, they didn't all go to St. Lucia. I think they divided and conquered. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's, what's the crowd like at St. Lucia? So being on a university campus, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's a bit younger. Do the, do the university crowd get out and about um, on a Saturday morning? 
Well, it's pretty mixed. I mean, there's a lot of people around that area anyway that are running and cycling and and being active. There's a tennis centre there and there's an aquatic centre. So there's plenty of active people around the vicinity of Parkrun and lots of walkers and runners out just doing their own thing independently of the Parkrun as well. So there's heaps of people around. Um, I actually, I don't know from the results how many, you know, I don't know, maybe 100 ish i'm could be entirely wrong on that but maybe a hundred or so um a week at, at st lucia park run that's good that's good and scotty where did you go where did i go i went uh, i went back to darabin which i've been doing a bit of lately so not terribly exciting um, i broke my streak of tourist runs this was my longest streak of different events which was i got got to 12 so what's that that's like three months of a different event every week yeah it was it's been three months since i've been back to darabin that's pretty impressive yeah i was pretty happy with that i was pretty happy with that and no no particular reasons just my mates were going to darabin it was really cold as well in melbourne so so it didn't matter where you went it was just going to be cold everywhere yeah pretty much pretty much (laughs) but i did get darabin up to my up to eight. So my P index is making some great progress. I think I'm one event away from increasing my P index, which... So am I, Scotty. Are you? I am. Are you on eight? No, I'm not on eight. Okay. But I just need to do one more to make it six. Six is pretty impressive too. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm pretty happy with that stat. Yeah. Well, let's let's coordinate our, our P index increases. Let's do that. From time to time, we like to check in with the elites and find out how they're doing. And one of our really fast guys from back in the day joins us all the way from America. Welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers, Lee Troop. Thanks for having me, Scotty and Lyndall. Um, we're in different time zones. Lyndall and I are up in the morning, but it's um, it's nice in the middle of the afternoon for you there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one at you completely left field, Lee, here. Um, I know you've just been for a run. I follow you on the socials. And um, you've been for a run... For Gabe Gronwald yep. day, um, you went for a run with your daughter? That I did. That I did. So uh, it, was, uh, it was good to actually have a reason to get my daughter to, uh, to come and join me. So uh, it was good. Do you want to tell the listeners a bit of the story about Gabe and, and what, um, what her legacy is? Yeah, so Gabe, um, uh, originally from Minnesota, um, unfortunately, uh, has had uh, four fights with a serious uh, cancer and uh, unfortunately, um, about a week ago, I think, or maybe 10 days ago, um, she succumbed and, and passed away. Um, and everyone has known about the fight that Gabe has had with cancer. Um, she's somebody that, while in treatment, has still tried to get out and train, has still tried to race. Um, I was fortunate to meet her in 2016 at the US Olympic trials uh, through an athlete that I was coaching, Sarah Vaughan, and um, and she was just a delightful, delightful person and her husband seemed like a really, really good lad as well. Um, and I then followed more of them after I'd met them through 2017 and obviously 2018 and just the, the struggles that she'd had and um, and what she had to deal with. And I think the, the thing that resonates with a lot of people was just her resilience to, to fight every day, not to give up. Um, you know, a lot of people could say, hey, look, you know, you have cancer, you need to take care of yourself. But she saw it as a challenge to just keep pushing herself and seeing what she could do. And 
um, yeah, uh, in Minnesota as of today. Uh, today's her birthday, um, and it's known as Gabe, Gabe Grunwald Day, which will be forever. Um, and her favourite number um, was uh, 1,405. So they're asking everyone to run 1.405 miles. And um, so I encourage my daughter to come out today just to do a 20-minute run where we ran for five minutes, walk for two, and we did that for, for three kilometres. So, um, I mean, it's, it's a sad story, but, you know, it's one of those ones that is certainly turned for good and people are using it as motivation and inspiration. And uh, I think her legacy is going to live on for many, many, many more years to come. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think she resonated with people because she was she was so lovely and she was a fighter. I'm interested, how did your daughter, did you get an opportunity to talk about Gabe on your run or was it just a father-daughter bonding experience? What was um, so that like? My daughter's seen the, the videos that have come out of Gabe, um, so she is familiar with uh, with her. Uh, I mean, I don't know her personally, but I know obviously her uh, plight and everything that's been put together and, you know, watched everything and read everything. Um, about three or four years ago, my uh, my father actually had stage four brain cancer. So, um, you know, we've been on that journey. So she's familiar with, you know, um, how cancer unfortunately doesn't discriminate and the impact that it can have and the damage it can have. But then also importantly, how it can bring people together to uh, to, to unite and to and to fight and to be on a on a common path and common causeway together. So um, I'm sure, like she's 13, um, she understands, but I don't think she she doesn't feel the emotions that um, a lot of other people, and particularly, I guess, adults um, have felt, and and people that knew her. What a fantastic story! It sounds like she's made a real impact on people. And just using that running um, story to to bring people together, and I guess you know Scotty and I would say that that's what we live every week at Parkrun. Um, that feeling of just bringing people together. Um, I guess the other thing that resonated for me with your story about Gabe is that there's just different different things that running can bring in a life, and different experiences that you have through running. Lee, you've made the transition from being an elite athlete through to now coaching athletes. So what's that been like for you and has that been an easy transition? Um, it started out uh, relatively easy. Um, you know, I I really didn't have any desires to coach. I was actually still trying to make a fourth Olympics myself and um, a couple of athletes asked if I'd coach them, which I was reluctant to do. And um, after probably four to six weeks of being pestered, I really went with the with the Monaghetti uh, rule of thumb, where I just basically said that uh, you know I train at eight in the morning and five at night, and if you want to jump in and train, that'd be great. And this is what I'm going to be doing, and you know three strikes and you're out type of scenario. And you know I started coaching a couple of people, and then that grew, and then I guess over time, you know I was coaching twenty. 25 elite athletes and um i'd set up a track club here um known as the boulder track club which you know at a any given time we had three to four hundred members as part of that club from youth group to middle school group to recreational runners and then professional athletes and um things were traveling along uh fine um up until last year where unfortunately one of my top athletes uh took his life um he battled with with depression and that created just a um a, a, a catastrophe of just um events where by the time i'd got to october he'd uh, unfortunately taken his life in february but by the time i'd got to october um i was mentally physically emotionally just spent um 
and I uh, had to take a bit of time out of coaching to uh, just try and get myself back on track, which I've just started to do. I wouldn't say that I'm um, I'm completely out of the woods at the moment. I'm not at a point of travelling to races. Um, you know, when you travel to races, it becomes a circus with coaches and agents and everyone wants to ask me how I'm going. It's like everyone's got 10 set questions that they have to ask me repeatedly. Um, but you know, for the for the short term at the moment, I'm just enjoying being out there coaching five athletes um, and they're young athletes. Um, I also have a, a big recreational group of about thirty athletes, from beginners to you know athletes that run like seven, eight minute kilometer pace, um, and working with them. So um, yeah, I've finally put one foot back in into the water again, and don't have both feet completely um, uh, put in the water, but back to enjoying it and investing into people and you know coaching's a um there's that symbiotic relationship with the athlete where it's not necessarily about writing out the training programs it's uh you know being on this emotional and mental journey that they're on whether they're wanting to lose weight um run a personal best um or try to make the olympics uh a lot of athletes handle uh their sport differently and as a coach your job is to not have a cookie cutter where everyone's the same, but work in with them individually with you know their needs and their wants. And when they're high, try to sort of bring them down a little bit. When they're low, try to build them up and make them feel feel like they're moving in the right direction. So um, it's certainly been a different um, uh, journey that I've been on as a coach. Um, I guess, you know, as an athlete, I was uncoachable. I coached myself for a lot and I'd always bounce ideas off Steve Monaghetti. So going from not really having had, I guess, coaches myself to then now be becoming a coach, it's been a, um, it's been a different ride. That's for sure. Um, I, I started off with just me and two people. We built it up to 10, 20, 30. So I was coaching like a, a sub elite group in the morning that would have 20, 30 people in it. Then I'd be coaching the elite group um, after that. And then I brought in uh, another coach and then we brought in a trail coach. So I ended up bringing in four or five other coaches in and around me. And we built the club up that we would have, you know, a, a committee with a president and a vice president and secretary and treasurer. And um, so that over the time, I could start to wind myself out of the club and have the club, you know, function um, fully with, I guess, volunteers, you know, like five to six different volunteers making the club work. But as we know, it, it, it's tough um, to get volunteers and committed volunteers and people that are on the same um, page as what was the club set up for, what's the vision of the club, what's the mission of the club, where do we need to drive it. You know, I always say many hands make light work, but when you do get a, um, a, a group of people that come in that may think differently and act differently and have different agendas, Sometimes that makes it hard for the club to continue on the journey that had been set for it. So um, it was just unfortunate that last year everything came at the same time. You know, I was coaching a big group of elite athletes and I needed uh, time out from that. I had a running store, which uh, unfortunately was a forced closure uh, for me. Uh, I wanted to uh, get out of the running store that I was in, it was part of a franchise and I wanted to open an independent running store and that didn't go down too well. And uh, my daughter had gone through a, a spate of bullying at her middle school and, you know, and then unfortunately with John, um, you know, uh, passing away. 2018 was certainly a year of, um, of testing uh, the very physical and mental and emotional strengths that I had. So 
taking time away from that and also from the club has just given me a little bit of a different perspective on things. And, you know, the club is still functioning well. As I said, you know, you rely on volunteers to help keeping moving things in the right direction. But now that I've sort of come out of that hiatus that I've been in, looking forward to getting back into the club and obviously coaching elites. I don't think I'll go back to having a big group. I think I'll keep it rather small and personal um, and enjoy uh, the recreational group of athletes that I'm coaching. I mean, that that sub-tier of, of people have jobs, have families, you know, they're 40, 50, 60 years of running and their reasons for running are certainly a lot different than elite athletes. Um, you know, running is just an extension of what they do. It isn't the only thing that they do. Whereas with elite athletes, you know, this is their job. You're you're on a knife's edge. They're trying to make Olympics. They're trying to get sponsors. And, you know, that just seems to have a little bit more vulnerability and it's a, a different roller coaster ride that you're on. So with the elite athletes, you touched on it there a little bit. It's their life and, um, you know, their, their income depends on it. They're trying to get sponsors. Um, what What's your role as a coach in in that? Because you talked a little bit then as well about the, the you know, well-rounded life of an athlete um do you have a part to play in in helping them with all of that or do you really just concentrate mainly on the physical training uh no i mean for me I, like every coach is different i don't say that any coach is wrong and for me my coaching is taking in their whole lifestyle you know like what they do for work their family background their collegiate background um, you know, uh, influences that uh, may have a physical, mental impact, positive and, and negative, and trying to put things in place. As I said, every athlete's completely different and you need to look at, you know, them as a whole and you end up becoming more of a psychologist than a coach. Uh, the training's easy. Like you put one foot in front of the other and you run as hard as you can for as long as you can. And if you're in a race, whoever crosses the finish line first wins. So that that metric there is not a complicated process. But it's the, the pathway to get there and then what the athlete is experiencing mentally and emotionally. And, you know, some of them have had uh, tough college backgrounds and they were injured through college and they've come out of college, you know, not knowing whether running is what they want to do. Some of them were fantastic athletes in college, but, you know, you've got a full ride at, at college. You know, you've got uh, your accommodation paid for, you've got your food paid for, you've got your education paid for. When you come out of college where you've been spoon-fed, all of a sudden you've got to become an adult and it's hard for athletes to transition from being a college athlete to then wanting to pursue a professional career and particularly if you don't have sponsorship and you've got to work and you know in Australia it's a little bit different because we don't have that glorification of professional sport that they do here have here in the US so when you come out of college you would get a job and you know that you're going to work at least part-time and still run Whereas here, there's this mythology that, you know, when you come out of college and you want to be a professional athlete, you have to be a full-time athlete and that's the only thing you can do. And that's really incorrect. I try to encourage all my athletes to work a minimum 20 hours a week. And even if it's just a, a, a part-time job and in any career that they don't foresee a future in, it still gives them 20 hours a week of not thinking about running and it gives them a different outlet and it gives them different people to connect with that aren't uh, necessarily all running focused because I think if you live it, breathe it, you know, like you're, you're analysing, you're overanalyzing, you're psychoanalyzing everything about running, then that's when we start to see that that mental breakdown which then starts to become a bit of a physical breakdown with fatigue and pressure and then we see the emotional breakdown that comes after that. Hey, Lee, should we reminisce a little bit? Um, I'm not sure all our listeners would be familiar with the Lee Troop story. 
Um, going back, you broke onto the scene in the 5K on the track, the, the park run distance, and then progressed to marathons where it's fair to say you probably made your name. Um, do you remember back into those early days, back in Geelong? Oh, absolutely. And, and- it's uh, like it was yesterday. So they're all the <laughs> – that's what we call the glory days. Um, but I obviously uh, had started out at not running marathons. I was running 5K and 10K and, and cross-country. And, um, you know, I started running just because my dad wanted to lose weight. And I played a, a whole myriad of other sports. And I got a, a junior uh, college scholarship back in 93, 94 uh, in Texas. And so, you know, there was all these little things along the way of running where I just ran with my dad to lose weight. I did some local fun runs. Uh, I did school, cross-country and school athletics to the point where then I got a, a collegiate scholarship and um, I come over here and I think that's where all of a sudden my eyes were open to the possibilities of what could come from running if I was prepared to actually take it much more seriously. And uh, I came back to Australia um, after 18 months here and that's where things really turned around. I moved from Geelong to Ballarat to train with Monteghetti and um, I made uh, World Cross Country in 96, which was in Cape Town in, uh, sorry, it was in Stellenbosch, South Africa. And then I made the Commonwealth Games in 98, which was in Kuala Lumpur for the 5K and the 10K. And 99, uh, I was fortunate enough to break Ron Clark's 5K record that had been there for 33 years. And then that led to the London Marathon um, in 99, where I ran 2.11 on debut. So uh, there was a whole you know, when you look back on things, there wasn't one distinct thing that was the reason I started to get success from running, but there was a whole heap of things that uh, all came together. And I was lucky that I didn't have injuries. Um, I ran purely because I loved it. Success and winning wasn't uh, the priorities for me. Uh, it was more about obviously doing my best. And I'd always wanted to be a marathon runner. I'd, you know, I grew up idolizing Deke Stella. And, you know, for me, even though I was running five tape, and 10k cross country that wasn't like that was the end for me it was always that would be what would then propel me into being a, a marathon runner so uh, those early years were obviously those formative years and certainly uh what i look back on where there was just um it was just innocent innocent running uh it wasn't complicated running and you know there was running running with purpose you know running with friends and uh running for the clubs that are with at athletics victoria championship meets and just trying to get as high up as I could. And um, that led to then making the Olympics in 2000. Lee, you've talked about a um, basis of fun being the, the basis for your running and running for pleasure and, and for a purpose. So I guess, and, you know, you've reached the, the real heights of elite um, running. So what is your fondest memory of running or what's your fondest time that you, you look back on? Um, whether it's on the track or off the track from that time of being an elite athlete? Um, that's probably a hard one to answer because I had so many uh, wonderful opportunities that were given to me. Um, if I was to look at, um, you know, maybe just a couple, I think certainly going to the US uh, in 93 uh, to a junior college and being taken out of my comfort zone where running when I first got there wasn't that fun. I was in the panhandle of Texas. I had no friends. Um, you know, you're a foreigner in a, in a country um, and you're, you're very far away from, from home. And, you know, so when you're used to traveling around Australia, so then all of a sudden being on a plane and stuck in the panhandle of Texas, it certainly changed uh, my perspective of things. And 
I remember, you know, my mum, they'd sent me over with a one-way ticket and they said when it was time for me to come home to let them know and they would uh, give me a return ticket to come home and I was only there three days and I called my mum and said, look, no, this isn't for me. It's time to come back home. And my mum quite bluntly turned around and said, we knew you'd say that and you're there for a minimum six months and hung up the phone. And that period, despite being extremely difficult, I think really set the foundation for me to be able to travel the world and do what I did. Because if I could handle living in the panhandle of Texas with no family and friends, I'm pretty sure that you know I could travel the world and run and race and make new friends and, and obviously travel with friends as well. So that was certainly one thing that uh, I look back on that was a, a strong catalyst for my running. And then definitely, you know, being in Ballarat and training with Monteghetti and seeing what the, the very best do and realising that, you know, there are certain sacrifices that you need to make and that comes at the cost of, you know, sometimes friendships and family, you know, with certain events that they may have where you've got to prioritise, you know, what's important with running. And, you know, for some people, you get one shot at trying to make the Olympics. For me, I was fortunate that I made three. But that comes with a lot of lot of sacrificing and prioritizing what's important. And, you know, it's, it's hard because like if you're traveling a lot and you're for training and for racing, you miss out on things like weddings and births of children and um, birthdays and, and special events. And when you do come home, you, you, you try to, to pack it all in to catch up with people. And, you know, some people take it personally, you know, that you're such a good friend and yet you weren't there for, for a wedding or you, you weren't there for a birthday or you weren't there for the wedding of the baby's head. And, you know, it, it's tough to get them to realise that the sport that they see you doing is actually your job. It's your life. And they don't see that. You know, they just see running just as a, a just as a, as a sport that you can pick and choose whenever you want. And um, so though those two timeframes were um, things that I look back on that were were challenging, but at the same time, learning to navigate through that certainly helped propel um, a lot of the great things that came throughout my career. And uh, I don't look back on that with anything negative. I look back on that with like a lot of joy and, and delight that um, someone like me, who's a, an extrovert in a, in a distance guy's body, was able to really calibrate himself to do what was needed to be done to then set up the 20-year the career that I had. It's amazing, isn't it, sometimes when the, the times are toughest, you come out the other side and um, a different person or with a different attitude that can just really change your life. What an amazing story. Thanks for sharing that with us, Lee. Um, yeah. The other thing I just wanted to recap on, you said earlier in the interview that you were going through a tough time and um, was it last year and people would ask you all of these questions um, that you weren't, didn't really want to answer. Um, so I guess I just wanted, you know, before we wrap up with you to have the opportunity to ask you what questions you would like to be asked and whether we have asked them of you. Yeah, look, obviously, as I said last year, wasn't a great year and Primarily, um, you know, the, it just features around, you know, people not knowing what to ask and uh, all of a sudden they become like a psychologist and always wanting to check on you. And it's it's one of those ones where I call it a Captain Obvious moment that, you know, <laughs> things aren't great and, you know, you're dealing with the death of an athlete and you're trying to support the family uh, who are affected by this and then you have athletes that are affected by this and, you know, it it. There was. There wasn't like it was a case of that the wrong questions were being asked. It was just um, when you're not in a 
a particularly great place yourself, it's hard to continually get out there and put a smile on your face to continually and repeatedly answer the same questions. And even though they might be different in the way that they're, um, they're directed, they're still somewhat the same questions that you're just repeatedly giving the same answers. So for me, I just really had, it wasn't anyone's fault. I just had to um, take some time out and just uh, just hide in a hole for a little while until I felt that, you know, I could get back out there and, you know, be more positive, um, obviously uh, be more engaging and have a, a, a normal smile on my face as opposed to a, a forced smile on my face. So look, it's, it's, it's all good. You know, these are the things that uh, we go through in life and if we can come out the other side, they certainly, uh, they may change us, but they make us better. And I don't look um, on my experience last year than any of the learning experiences I got early on in my running career. Uh, like I said, it was just a case of being able to just take a step back and look at things a little bit differently. And then once I'd sort of got through that, then work out what I wanted to do. And I certainly love coaching. I certainly love working with athletes. And I certainly like trying to make a, a real positive difference uh, in their lives. And I also know that, uh, you know, for these kids, you know, some of them may achieve it and a lot of them won't, but it's all about the journey. And I'm sure that uh, once they finish their running career and they'll look back on it, hopefully there'll be things that they've learned here in Boulder and particularly under my coaching that was a life-changing moment for them that they can then take into the next phase of their life to be, you know, a better employee, a better son, better daughter, better husband, better wife, uh, that, you know, that's, I mean, it's all life skills that we're trying to develop along the way. And for me, I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through last year. So again, it just was a, a challenging way of looking at a different life skill set that I feel like will make me a much better person as we move along. Lee, how are you enjoying your time in America? Do you miss Australia? I, it sounds like you're going through some challenges over there. Certainly. I mean, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, everything had been fantastic up to last year. We've been here over 10 years. So I can't really judge, you know, uh, one year for the other nine. But in saying that, uh, I I miss Australia a lot and I love what Australia has to offer. And when I came over here, there were just certain challenges that, uh, you know, motivated me to uh, really throw everything into to the US and, and see what I could make from it. And, you know, I had been doing pretty well. I had a successful running store and, you know, I was coaching some elite athletes. I mean, my top athlete had run uh, 225 at London and uh, a few of them had won some national titles and, you know, family was all was all happy, and uh, and I was managing athletes, so life had, was uh, progressing along fairly well. And then, in the blink of an eyelid, uh, all of a sudden, everything fell apart. But um, I guess the moral of the story is, you know, I could probably have packed up and come home, and you know, reset and started again. But you know, there's a challenge for me now to try and just rebuild again and build some things up and get back to a point where I feel like I'm back in control of of my destiny and. You know, we've certainly talked about potentially coming home at the end of 2020. Uh, my daughter will have finished middle school at that stage and um, before she would progress into high school, uh, we could come home and she could just start year nine back in Australia. So we're certainly having those discussions and with the fact my dad was so ill uh, three or four years ago and, you know, my parents and my wife's parents getting older, you know, probably a good time to come home so they can spend some of that time with their grandkids uh, it's always a it's a fiesta whenever we head back to Australia once or twice a year and you know my parents swallow my kids rotten so uh, we're talking about it but yeah for the moment being where we are we're in Boulder and you know Rob DeCostello had lived here Steve Jones world record holder Frank Shorter Arturio Barrios I mean 
some of the world's best athletes still live here. And so I see them quite regularly. And, you know, you, you don't even feel that, you know, gee whiz, we've been here X amount of years or we've been retired from our sport X amount of years because whenever we catch up, it's always, you know, reminiscing about the good old days and enjoying each other's company. So that hasn't waned quite at the minute, but I'm sure once I got to that point, it would be time to get on the plane and, and come back. But, you know, Australia certainly, and where I'm from in Geelong, you know, I miss the beach, miss friends, you know, miss running through, you know, the Otway Forest down that way. And um, and even though I'm here, I get back a lot and we're looking at putting a, a running festival on in Geelong next year and uh, looking at trying to contribute something different to my hometown, just like with what I'm doing here in Boulder with the races that I'm doing and uh, and the athletes that I'm coaching. You must miss the the Troop Loop down near, um, well, it's near Balyang Sanctuary Park Run um, down along. I'm, I'm curious, I want to hear your thoughts on Park Run. You've done a couple. Your good mate Mona loves Park Run. He goes along and volunteers every week. So there's there's something in it um, for, for even Mona getting. But it, it hasn't really taken off in America like it has in other countries. It's taking a long time. It's just starting to grow. Have you got any insights why you think that might be? But having lived over there for 10 years? Yeah, I mean, here in the US, there's races every weekend. They're everywhere. And they're races that people have been doing for 10, 15, 20 years. So for all of a sudden this event to just pop up where, you know, you don't pay an entry fee and, you know, supposedly, you know, there's no timing or there could be timing, but we're not racing for times. I don't think that concept sort of um, really um, – fits in with the Americans and the American culture because they want to pay an entry fee and they want uh, chip timing and they want results and, you know, they're running for age group awards and, you know, and they're running for charity to raise money for charity. So just the mindset's a little bit different. Uh, We do have one here in Boulder. It makes it hard because they're doing it on a trail and you're not allowed to have any more than 35 people uh, on a trail and you're not allowed to do timed events. So those restrictive pieces make it hard, but they are growing and I'm seeing a splattering of the park runs in and around the US. Obviously, there's been a huge boom in Australia and, and, and obviously in the UK, they're, they're everywhere. And athletes that I coach, even through my program of Marathon Guru, when they're preparing for marathons, whether it's Melbourne or Sydney Marathon, Canberra Marathon, I'll always say to them, you know, like, two weeks out, like look for a park run and do a park run 5K and just use it as a as a really good hard hit out to help you for your marathon. And you know that, you know, that they've been measured and they've been marked and people that turn up to those races are, are all there pretty much for the same reason, just to create this community within a community and to run hard, push hard, and then socialize afterwards. It reminds me of the old Sri Chimoy races that I did as a kid when we were growing up. They were always at Eastern Park and you would race two laps around Eastern Park and then afterwards you'd sit around having fruit and drinking orange juice. And so the park run's got that that similar feel. Um, in saying that, I feel like park run might have taken a step too far to the left uh, this year when particularly in the UK they started talking about park run world records and I know that hasn't gone over with um, a lot of people very well because it's actually taken away from why park run was developed uh, to begin with and I think if it stays within its lane of why it started and what its mission is and how it brings people together and it's not elitist 
I think it's got every reason to just keep continually to grow, which I think is a great thing for health and fitness and participation, which that's the most important facet of why people do what they do. So for me, it ticks off all the, all the boxes that are really important. Great to get your insight into Parkrun, Lee, and thank you so much for your time this afternoon or this morning for us. Um, and thank you for being not only really open about your life as an elite athlete, but also your life now in Colorado um, and even the tough times as well. It's a really special thing to share that with you, Lee. Thank you. And I guess my biggest dilemma when I come back home to Geelong is what park run am I going to do? It's out at the Yu Yangs. It's uh, around the Baliang River. Like I think there's like three now. So it's going to be uh, going to be tough for when I get home to pick which one. You'll have to just be a tourist like Scotty and Mel and I. <laughs> Try and hit all three. Hit all of them. <laughs> it works for us. Sure. No, like I said, I, I think it's fantastic. And a, a lot of people that, you know, I haven't seen for a long time that I went to school with, you know, 25, no, 30 years ago, it's been awesome to see them get involved in things like this and bring their families. And, you know, and a lot of them will say to me that they didn't know running could be so joyful, I guess, because, you know, when you're in high school, it's forced upon you to do physical education. But the people that are doing park runs are simply and consciously just making a choice to better their lives and better their, the communities and come together and, and enjoy something that everyone can enjoy together. So, as I said, I, I love it. And going down there, like I, Last year when I was down there, I took my daughter down there and it was it was awesome. Like it was just great for me now that I'm in a different phase of my life to actually share something with my daughter um, that uh, is uh, similar to what was shared with me and my father. So uh, what the opportunity that you're creating, as I said, there was just a lot of synergy of I used to go to these three Chimoy events with my dad and run with my dad and my brother would come and you've got park run that I can just take my daughter down to and enjoy her company and everyone else's company as well. So thanks for uh, rekindling something that um, has a little bit of sentiment to it. Howdy park runners, this is Toc reporting in for the Channel 5 News crew. Today, Jackie and I have ventured down to the lovely seaside town of Port Ferry, where once again it's a little bit chilly. The water's coming straight off Bass Strait. The wind, sorry, coming straight off Bass Strait, and it's uh, it is chilly. Port Ferry was a town established back in the 1840s as a whaling town. It was originally known as Belfast, and then they changed their name back in the 1870s to Port Ferry. Nowadays, it's known as one of the larger fishing towns in the Southern Ocean and quite well known for its tourism, including the Port Ferry Folk Festival, which uh, is held in March every year and is quite a large festival in the area. For those that follow the AFL, of note, uh, John Coleman, who the Coleman Medal for the most goal kickers is named after, also came from Port Ferry. So we're just having a look around the course. It's a three-looper. Um, we'll get back to you once we've had a run. Cheers. Howdy park runners, it's talk. We've just finished the sensational Port Ferry Park Run and I'm here with three generations of a family, although Jenna looks like she's going to run away from me. So I've got Kate, the ED, Jenna and Hester. Um, Kate, Port Ferry's a beautiful park run. You've got sea views, you've got views down through the what do you call it, the lake or the river down yes, through the bottom? Reserve. A couple of laps you get to see everyone. I love the lap courses. Yes. Tell me a little bit about the Port Ferry Park Run. Oh, it's fantastic. 
parkrun's best kept secret, I hear. <laughs> um, look, really, we're a small parkrun. We had just over 30 today. In the summer, we get a few more, but we absolutely love our parkrun. We've got a really core group of fanatical locals that turn up every week. Yep. And um, you've got great facilities here, you know, with the barbecue shelter and the toilets right at the start line, so you're well protected for the elements. Uh, yeah, no, it's lovely. I walked around with your mum today, Hester. Hester, say hello. Hello, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great chat out around around the course. We did. I, I enjoy park run. I mean, sometimes I don't want to get out of bed, and today was one of those days, but I'm glad I did. Um, the weather's really kind today, so it's been a, a good walk. Um, Hester's one of the ones, when I, we started parkrun, I said to Hester, look, you're going to have to just come and volunteer for me. And it wasn't long and she was a participant and she's here every week. <laughs> it's great. And, and given Port Ferry's history back in the uh, 1800s being a big whaling town, I'd imagine at this time of the year, from part of the course that we've just come up with the hill, you probably get the odd whale sighting. Absolutely. In fact, uh, word on the street is there has been a few whales swimming past in the last couple of weeks, but definitely we're always on the lookout because they're definitely there. Yeah, no, well, congratulations. It's a lovely little course and I'd encourage everyone to come down and have a run Absolutely. around it. Absolutely. Port Ferry is a great, great place to visit. It's beautiful. And come down in March, come for the folk festival. One weekend of the year we don't actually have we, park oh. run. They, they use their course for car parking. So, oh, that's terrible. So if you come that weekend and you go and do Warrnambool or Portland or Hamilton. Come come for yeah, a week, do, yeah. do the uh, park run the week before, then come to the festival Absolutely. the next week. There are Absolutely. plenty of reasons to come to uh, Port Ferry for the park run. You can also go for a ride on the rail trail after you've done park run. Yes. <laughs> there's actually, um, it's a fairly big tourism industry around Port Ferry, so there's plenty to yes. see and do around the place. Yes, yes, we are a, a tourist town, a destination town, they call us. And amazing mm. natural resources with the uh, ocean Beautiful. out to the, yes. the blowers. Yes, we're very lucky. Well done, great park run. Thanks very much, Toc. Morning, Lyndall and Scott. It's Gary Murphy reporting in for the Parkrun Adventurers from Kakarook Parkrun in Melbourne South East. Alright, so now we're standing here at the finish line of Kakarook Parkrun, lovingly known as Kaki Parky. Yes. And I'm standing here with Chris, who's an RD at Kakarook, and Simon. Well done, boys. How did you go today? Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, got under 25, which I was very happy with. Yeah, well yeah. done. Yeah, very nice this week. About 28 minutes, so quite happy with that. Yeah. Now, there has been some discussion on some pages that I've seen about unique ways to get to a parkrun. And Chris, I believe you can tell me about a unique uh, transportation device that's been at Kakarook Parkrun. Yes, we have had some uh, hot air balloons arrive at uh, Kakarook. I don't know that anyone got out and actually did the run, but uh, yeah, they arrived during the run and we could see them. It almost felt like you could reach up and grab them as they were coming in. And uh, they'd come overhead on one side of the course and then come around the other side and you'd see them land. So that was great. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. It would have been a real unique experience to have all those people coming in. It was amazing. And uh, when you see the balloon coming overhead and you just hear the uh, the flames coming from the hot air balloon, it, it's pretty special. It yeah. really does feel like they're going to land on your head. Did anybody uh, yell out and cheer the park runners on as they were coming overhead? Not that I heard. <laughs> uh, I didn't hear anything like that. No. But... I think they were a bit stunned to see so many people in the park at that hour of the morning. <laughs> a welcoming committee for them when they arrive. Yes. And Sam, so how long have you been park running for, mate? Uh, since the start of this year, I've been going pretty serious about it. Yeah, I did a few runs before that, but I had an injury, so back into it now. Okay. And how did you find so recently? I know that Kakarook has changed direction. You used to go clockwise. Yeah. And now you're going anti-clockwise. How have you found that? Uh, I found it a lot better this way. Uh, the downhill is a lot uh, slower so instead of having like a 90% of the run going uphill like 
you just got a couple of small uphills and then a long downhill, which is a lot nicer for me. Yeah, uh, cool, mate. And you can probably hear in the background, there's lots of cheering going on and everybody's still finishing. It's a beautiful morning here. It's the shortest day of the year, so that's good. Yes. And it's quite calm here. Um, how, how would you describe the course, Chris? What's... Uh, it's a two-lapper? A two-lap around a lake, uh, which I think is a man-made lake. I think it used to be a, a quarry here, but you wouldn't know it now. So, no, it's a lovely course. I, I really like it. It's very flat. I used to run at uh, Jells, which is not flat <laughs> at all. Uh, so this is a really nice change. And uh, I, I, I keep coming here because the, the team's terrific. They've always been just super friendly. And it's really, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to be. Yeah. yeah. And what about you, yeah. Simon? Have you travelled around to many different park runs? I've been to Jells a couple of times and I've been to Frog Hollow, but this is the best one that I've been to. <laughs> well, thanks, boys. That's been a great morning. Thanks for talking to me and all the best with your park run adventures into the future. Thank yeah. you. Guys. Thank you. All right. So now I've found some more park runners. And they've got a bit of a story to tell because they've been adventuring around different park runs, ticking off their alphabets. So I'll get everyone to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Kath. And where are you from, Kath? Highlanders. Hi, I'm Kay from Highlanders. I'm Debbie, but I'm from Highlanders. And I'm Tracy, also from Highlanders. Who knew? Highlanders! <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> now, I was talking about an adventurer, so what have you guys been up to in the last few months, weeks? Months, yeah. We've been travelling around Victoria trying to get our, our uh, alphabet done. Outstanding. As best as we can, yes. And how far in are you? We've got uh, eight left. Yes. Eight left. Mm -hmm. Including, we've booked into Queensland? Queenstown. No. Queenstown. In, yes, New Zealand. New Zealand. Wow, so. that's so good. <laughs> cool, eh? <laughs> Nothing like getting a holiday in. <laughs> and what's been a highlight of travelling around? Is it, what is it? What's the best bit about um, I, I think it's just seeing the different park runs and different some of courses. them are so, yeah, and some of them are just so pretty. And the people and, are yes, really lovely. You know, and you can do the same or do a different park run every week and run into the same people, you know, that are also doing... And the good part you know, about it is when you run, you don't really know how long it is because <laughs> it's a new course. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, Debbie's an expert at getting lost. <laughs> yes, I'm that I am. Not enough signage. <laughs> not enough signage for Debbie, anyway. And Gail. We're all right, but not Debbie. I tend, I tend to run into the... Um, Oncoming traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Too much chit chat. <laughs> chit chat's good. Chit chat's good. Um, so, so how have you been um, picking the park runs? Has it just been alphabetical? We're just or? going through the alphabet to see where we over coffee. We uh, we get the list up and figure out what we haven't done and what we're going to do the next week. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're we're off to next week. We haven't had our coffee yet. <laughs> I've got to listen to the answer when I ask a question. We'll know in another hour or so. <laughs> when we find a nice coffee place around here. So, so what's the furthest you've been? Oh, Kay has done... Oh, Kay and I have done New Zealand. Yeah. We've done Lower yeah. Hutt in New Zealand. But you've I've done been a couple a few in Queensland. Kira and Main Beach. Yeah. Tracy's done... Oh, I've done uh, Mount Gambier, yes. So that was very nice. And Kay's... Oh, I did one in South Australia. Yeah, and you're also booked in for Bushy Park. Yeah. <gasps> so. so Kay's off to um, the UK in six weeks, August, early August, and Bushy Park's on the list. Oh, outstanding. How good is that? How jealous of that one. The interview's over now. I'm going. I, I can't talk to anyone. I'm going next year and I'm going to do Berlin and Prague. Oh! <laughs> 
Well, that is outstanding, girls. Well done. Congratulations and all the best for your future Thanks, adventuring. And it was fabulous today because I saw you run past us. Couldn't believe it. It was such a surprise we didn't even... It yeah. wasn't planet. 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 I recognise the hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hat. It's the hat. I think, and I think that's the fun thing about Park Run as well. You don't plan these things, but there's people that you meet up every week and think, oh, they're here, they're here, you know, and it's a surprise. So. Uh, well done, legends. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so now we're in the Khaki Parky Rotunda, and we're with some volunteers doing the scanning, and I am with... Uh, hi, I'm Tom. Tom? Tom. Hey, Tom. I'm Angela, Tom's mum. And I'm Greta. Hey, Greta. You guys are volunteering today. Thank you so much. Is scanning your favourite role? Uh, I don't really know because this is my first volunteer. Oh, good on you, mate. Congratulations. That's really good. How did it go? Uh, it's going pretty well. Yeah? yeah. And you're using the, uh, the mobile app on your phone. How did that go? Uh, yeah, it's working pretty well. Yeah? Yeah. And did most people have barcode scanners or uh, tokens or... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Good on you, Tom. And Greta, well, you, you were the official token person taking the tokens off Tom and Mum. Is that right? No, I ran. You ran? <laughs> How'd you go? Good. Yeah? And how long have you been park running for? This is my eighth. Eighth? Oh, so you're nearly up to the 10 club. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah. Yeah. And what's your favourite thing about khaki parking? The view. <laughs> the view. It is a very pretty park run. And have you got used to going around the other way yet? Yeah. Yeah? yeah Better? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you go today, Mum? Yeah, good. Um, I'm not very good with the technology. That's why I had my helper Tom with me today. But we're all... We've volunteered so Greta could catch up with us and we're all going to do our milestone together. Oh, Tom and Greta will be 10 and I'll be 50. So oh, we're looking forward to that. Fantastic. That's yeah. so good. And how long, so how long have you guys been park running for? I started park running when Karkarook started in 2016, I think it was. Yeah. Um, we'd usually take the winter off for hockey season, but we're running through hockey season this year. And now my kids have started running and I'm lucky Tom's turned 11 because I can no longer keep up with him. <laughs> have you volunteered much? I'm most ashamed to say that this is my very first time volunteering, but we certainly plan to do a lot more because it's good fun. Uh, there's and no it's shame. a great event. No shame in that. You're looking brilliant in your orange vest. Thank you. I've got yes, to say. Thank you. And have you travelled around to many other park runs? I, Tom and I have both done uh, Mount Barker in the Adelaide Hills. Okay. So, yeah, that's the only one we've yeah. done. Well, thank you so much for volunteering today, guys. And we'll see you again somewhere else. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're just about packed up here at Khaki Parky, but I found Amanda Kwong, and Amanda was timekeeping today, so thank you, Amanda, for timekeeping. But Amanda is also the... What's, what would your title be, Amanda, at Achilles? El Presidente. El Presidente, <laughs> look out. And you brought uh, Achilles to Melbourne, the Melbourne chapter? That's right. And how's it been going? It's been amazing. It's yeah. uh, growing from strength to strength. Um, we've got about 30 people with vision impairment um, involved in running and walking now, um, and about 10 of them at Park Run. They are absolutely obsessed and they love it. So I should say for people that... Well, no, I can get you to say. So for people that don't know what Achilles is, what, what does Achilles Achilles do? So Achilles pairs people with vision impairment with uh, sighted guides um, so that people with vision impairment can go for a run without um, uh, having any hazards or tripping over or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's a worldwide organisation, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So it started in New York um, back in the 1980s or 70s. Yeah. Uh, came to Australia um, in Sydney first about 20 years ago um, and hit Melbourne about three years ago. Yeah. Yep. And um, so where would people go uh, online to find out about Achilles if they wanted to get involved? If they want to find out about Achilles, it's www.achillesaustralia.org.au forward slash Melbourne. Awesome. Well done. I'll put Amanda on the spot here, so that's <laughs> extremely well done. So is this your local park run? Or? This is my local park run, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, how many times have you volunteered? Was today your first time on the stopwatch? It's a really good one. Today was the first time on the stopwatch. It was my 24th volunteer. Oh, outstanding. And the 25th volunteer, we've got a little something special happening with Achilles and Park Run. Hopefully we'll get a whole bunch of Achilles people volunteering at my local Park Run okay. um, for my 25th. Volunteer. So, so can you reveal anything here about what's happening? or That's basically it. We're just going to try and get Achilles as all of the volunteer roles at Carkrook Park Run. Yeah. Um, we're still figuring out the date and the logistics of it, but uh, that's the sort of plan, loose plan. Oh, that's brilliant, Amanda. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about that. That's really exciting. Good yeah. on you. No worries. Oh, well, thank you for today, and thank you for bringing Achilles to Melbourne. <laughs> Thanks, and Gary. And all the best for the future. Thank you. Cool. All right, okay. So now I'm with Annie, and yes. Annie was the run director today. How did that go, Annie? Yeah, always, always good. Yeah, and yeah. how long have you been park running for? Um, I actually started at Carkrook, so okay. only about two and a half years. Yeah. And I started as a run director. Okay. So I kind of, I think I ran, ran direct, yeah. the past tense. We, we can make it up. <laughs> to with... run direct, um, <laughs> for before I ran. Okay. Yeah. Wow, good on you. Yeah. And so how did you hear about park run then to get uh, Anita. Okay. Yeah, I've been friends with Anita for a while. We were trail runners together. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. she just dragged me along. So Anita's the event director. She's the event director. And the co-event director Mark yes. as well. So thank you guys for bringing car Karki yeah, Parky to Karkaroo Park. It's awesome. It's a ripper park run. It is a ripper park run. So we noticed your uh, kilometre posts today. Yes. How long have they been in for? Um, what have they been about? Beginning of this year? Yeah. Uh, about the same time as we reversed the course. Okay. So, yeah, about maybe six months. Yeah. And it's a park, it's Victoria Park. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw the, the, the ranger was there yes. today. Yes, he popped um, by to say hi, yeah. which he does. And he's, I think he's actually participated too. Okay, fantastic. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, get everyone on board. Yeah. Well, thanks to the rangers for, for being part of that. They're great. Yeah. They're very, um, very supportive. Okay. And if we've got any issues, we just let them know and they fix it. So we had some some overgrown branches and stuff and yeah. as soon as we let them know they were they've done it ah so good so oh, really that's good. good to have that support for yeah, really such good. a great event and they actually do a call out every now and then for runners to do um work Days. Like working Come along and do a working bee. Oh, that's great. Which I think is awesome. It's yeah. part of it. And you get, you get quite a few people. Come. Yeah, we get some people staying behind. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Always want more, don't you? But now, tell me who does your run reports? Uh, Mark. Mark. Yes. Now, Mark's not here today, is he? No. Okay. He's at Albert. Well, we'll give Mark a shout out because I had a look at his run report last. They're good, aren't they? Oh my God, so good. Yep. So, Mark, congratulations on your uh, your run reports. They're, yes. They're outstanding. He's at Albert because his son, I think, is doing his 250th. Oh, terrific! Yeah. How good is that? Yeah. I spoke to uh, Chris about yes, the balloons, the hot air balloons. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Were, were you there when that happened? I was. Yeah, what was and that And I've like? actually hot air ballooned over the top of Kakarot. Oh, no way. Yeah, I've got, there's, there's a photo on our, um, you know, on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. That was of the park from above that I took when we were coming over. So we landed at Moravian Airport. Yeah. And we went right over the top and it was just the most amazing view. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was such a special 
part of the of the honey balloon ride. Yeah. And so you, you had about what this morning about 150? No, we had nearly. Do we have 200? How many did we have this morning? Two hundred and yeah. come on, you were you were token tokening about two hundred and ten. Yeah. Wow, that's great. And I think the average is about one hundred and fifty park runner. Yeah, we're we're getting we're slowly creeping higher and higher. Yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. No, well, you've got a, a, a great park run. We have a great park run. So thanks for today, Annie. Great yeah, job. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks to your team of volunteers. We've got an amazing group of volunteers. We're so lucky. Yeah, and 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 probably in the podcast, I haven't heard it yet, or in the interview, but in the background when I was talking to Chris, you could hear the support yeah. and everybody at the finish line. Wasn't that, that was amazing? Really good. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. have it. We do have an amazing. I, and in fact, I think today we had almost all our run directors running. Oh wow! Other oh, than so good. myself and the two event directors, I think pretty much everybody else was running today. Yeah. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Annie. Thanks for Pleasure. talking to me. Pleasure. And well done today. Thank you. Ar ahoy, me hearties. This is PK <laughs> with a really dodgy accent. Uh, tuning in, tuning in, checking in. Gosh, it's early. Uh, from uh, one of the seas in South Australia. Yes, uh, PK doing a roving report from South Australia. Uh, G'day, Parkrun Adventurers. Uh, hope you are all well. It's been a while, I know, but uh, we're out on the road and I've just headed out of Adelaide, about 30 minutes out from the uh, toll gate up the freeway, and we are in beautiful Charleston, um, where it is a balmy minus two degrees. It was minus one before, so <laughs> anyway, uh, lovely morning, isn't it, Ez? Yeah. It sure is. Uh, I've got uh, my daughter, Ez, here, and uh, yeah, we're doing one of the seas. So uh, there are a number of seas in South Australia. I'm going to try and reel them off. Uh, Carisbrook, Clearland. Christie's. Uh, Christie's, well done, darling. Um, can't remember if there's another. Someone's going to kill me. Someone will, someone will know that. Clearland, did I say that? Can't remember. Anyway, um, we've done Rainella, Rainella, uh, the R, but uh, of the Pirate Club. But yet we're doing Charleston today. So just got here, got the seat warmers on, and <laughs> not getting out there until we have to. Seven forty-seven at the moment. Um, beautiful drive up through the Adelaide Hills, the Ocapringa Scenic Drive. Uh, what what are some of the towns we rolled through? As um, we went through Ocapringa. Well, oh, oh yeah, yeah, the Ocapringa Valley. You're right. So um, Belhanna, Oakbank, Woodside. Uh, far out Handorf, or we turned left at Handorf. Anyway, um, just some of the gorgeous um, towns here in um, the Adelaide Hills. Anyway, we're here. We're going to go and check it out. Charleston is relatively new. Um, Parkrun, I know that uh, Greta did a report from the uh, the opening of Charleston a while back, but um, we've just seen some of our crew turn up, so we're going to go and say good day and get chilly with the crew. Bring it on. Alrighty, we have just done the awesome Charleston park run. Didn't see anyone doing the Charleston, but may uh, come to that later. Um, but uh, it was uh, fantastic. Dodgy dad joke, I know, right? Um, <laughs> uh, what a beautiful course. Far out. We, of course, decided to come on the coldest day it has ever had. Um, and I think the course record might have, might, may even have been broken as well. But anyway, we'll find out about that. But we're now at the Woodside Provador, which is uh, their go-to cafe uh, for the Parkrun coffee afterwards. And I happened uh, to meet Mel. Mel Cox, who um, you're the EA for this area, I believe. Yes, that's right. Paul? Hey, well yes. done, Melissa Cox. I'm chatting with the Melissa Cox. Um, um, Mel, tell us your, um, what's your background with Parkrun? When did you start and how did you get involved and all that? 
Oh, oh thanks Paul. So I got involved in Parkrun in June of 2015. Murray Bridge is my home Parkrun. Awesome. Um, I was invited along one day after recently moving to the town. Um, I've ran 120... 829 um, different different park runs since uh, yeah since June 2015. Wow. Um, I am a run director at Murray Bridge Park Run. I've been a run director since about August last year, August cool. September. I hear Murray Bridge is beautiful. Need to go and check it out. Yes, you yes. do. We have we have pelicans. We have two two um, bridges and awesome. a beautiful boat that always docks just in time for park run. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's that's my journey and yeah. I've been an EA since middle of May um, awesome. this year. Um, I've taken over um, a number of park run events around this area. Beautiful. Um, and I've got some really big shoes to fill in. Oh, with credit. Oh no, yes. mate. I'm sure, I'm sure you're doing a beautiful job already. The um, uh, Charleston's a beautiful course, isn't it? Far out. It I mean, stunning. I mean, it's a, it's a bike way. It's flat. And but but oh, but this morning, a bit chilly. <laughs> oh my god, a sea of ice! It was just amazing. And that turnaround point when you did the turnaround and then the sun just hit you oh. in the face, it was like getting kissed by the sun. Yeah, um, yeah. thank god there was some um, warmth in there because it was chilly. Yeah, I don't know about you, but my toes are still cold. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, here in the cafe uh, having coffee. So, um, park run, yeah, what, what does park run mean to you? Community. Um, and probably um, inclusion. Yeah. Inclusion. I love it. I mean, how many how many people get out of bed um, at what half past seven, quarter to eight in the morning to run um, at minus two? <laughs> I know, at right? Charleston. Yeah, exactly. Um, Up in the Adelaide Hills, and then I know. But I sp- and then come and have coffee, as you can probably hear in the background, all, uh, all the, the rowdy Mount Barker crew. But, um, yeah, you're, it's, you're right. It, it is a massive thing to do, isn't it? And, yeah, good turnout this morning for a pretty chilly morning. So, yeah. Agreed. I love it. Well, thank you. Let's uh, get some breakfast um, and f- um, probably find Kylie and some other crew to chat with. Thanks, Mel. Thank you so And thank you for everything that you do for Parkrun. Oh, and thank you to you. No worries. Love it. Now awesome. <clears throat> G'day. Uh, yes, well, now we're still at the Woodside Provador. Pretty awesome breakfast. What do you reckon, Tracy? Yes, had a lovely Eggs Benny. Eggs Benny, and I, I smashed the smashed avo with the uh, side of uh, poached eggs. What did you have, Serenity? Had the breakfast focaccia. Breakfast focaccia. Beautiful. Yes, so uh, we're still here in uh, sunny Woodside after chilly Charleston. Um, what did you think of uh, Charleston, Trace? Or Trace or uh, Tia? Or either. Or, or either. <laughs> either or. <laughs> either or. Uh, I think Charleston's smashing it on every count. Every there, count. Uh, all the cows, uh, the path. Yeah, how, how beautiful good are those path. cows? Beautiful, beautiful view. As the, and the fog, as the fog, morning fog lifted, mist. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> yeah, missed frosty it? ground. Frosty ground. It was gorgeous. Yeah, stunning photos. And uh, beautiful breakfast, lovely coffee. What more can I ask for? Well, uh, what you could ask for is um, those cows to stop mooing in the background. But no, the um, <laughs> Adrian cow. It's inherent. <laughs> inherent. <laughs> um, uh, what was going to ask? Oh, the, um, there, but there was no one doing the Charleston. I was just disappointed. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one did it along the way. We could have. We you were could've. going slowly. Well, do it now for the, for the podcast. Oh, here you go. Yeah, thank you. That was uh, for those playing at home. That was the soft shoe shuffle of uh, Tracy Sereni and Sam singing in the background. Anyway, we're having lots of fun. <laughs> More cows in the background. Uh, yes, it is the uh, some of the Mount Barker crew are up here. We visited Charleston. I don't know what numbers. I reckon they probably got about thirty. 
something. 40 something. About 40, even, which is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I think I think Lily got a thirty-six or something. Oh, there you go. And uh, there also, yeah, uh, Reese. I reckon he may have done. He may have broken the record. I'm about to go and ask Kylie. She might be able to tell me that. Actually, um, represent. Actually, can someone go on whilst we're chatting and have a look, Sam? Oh, one of you. Anyway, we'll go and see if the if the course record was broken by the time I finish this chat. Uh, by the time we get over to Kylie. Anyway, yabbering away. Good times. Why do you do parkrun? Tracy. Love it, love it. Get to hang out with my family and friends every Saturday morning. Go for a little drive. Get me out for the day. Get me up and out for the day. Mm-hmm. And a bit of exercise. Loving it. And breakfast. And yeah? breakfast. Yes, indeed. Coffee. Hurrah! Well, it's awesome. Beautiful up here in the Adelaide Hills. Please come and check out Charleston. We're going to have a chat to Kylie now. And it got to. I got to add to my pirate club challenge you today did. with you the sea. The sea. Loving it. Arr. You sure did. Well, the sea. One of the seven seas. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Thank you. All right, as I as hoped, I'm now with Kylie Ross. Good day, Kylie. Hello. How are you? Awesome. Kylie is uh, one of the EDs. Do we? You're the ED. You're the ED here for Charleston. Um, We're still at the Woodside Provador, loving it. Um, Congratulations. What a beautiful, beautiful course or event you have. Thank you very much. I love it. Yeah. How long has it been going for? So, this is event number 38, started in October 6th last year. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I know that Greta um, came to the opening, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to get here, but she talked it up on the on the, the pod for everyone. Um, uh, how was it set? I mean, obviously Greta probably spoke to you about setting it up. How's it, how's it been since then and uh, the reaction to the park run and everything? It's been absolutely heartwarming. It's a lovely community, um, and it's like a, a lot of local people live around the area, out to Mount Torrens and Birdwood and Lobethal, but... We've had a, a number of locals who become regulars, regular volunteers, regular runners, and a lot of them share that the love of park run out into their communities as well. It's so. beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good feel today. We, um, there's a few of us who came up, but it was lovely just to meet and see, see some people that we'd seen at Mount Barker as well, because obviously um, nearby, um, and, it's, and it's lovely that you get... I, I love a small park run. I, seriously, what, you had about 40-odd yeah. today? We usually average. Yeah. I think there was 37 today. Okay. We average about 30, sometimes yeah. up to 50 on a lovely warm day yeah. and I think our most was the actual launch which was 117 but since then it's been about 30 each yeah. week yeah and um, well supported by by uh, volunteers which is great yeah. yeah which is amazing isn't it and yeah, the um, the course itself does, uh, did you choose that um, I mean so, it's beautiful yeah. so, so the, the reason the, the bike came about is yeah. because um, Naomi Armstrong who is actually my co-ED but not yeah. in winter due to sport <laughs> yeah. um, she and I ran and trained for our first half marathon on that track oh. and spent a lot of time wondering whether we could set up a park run there and then two years ago I started the process and with some Dipti and yeah. Amy Gillett and the Adelaide Hills Council we had a bit of trouble connecting all those things to get a permission sure. otherwise it might have started earlier but yeah well, it's beautiful and, and what I love about it is that it's um, you basically, yeah, we're, we're, you wouldn't know it's a parkrun course at any other time, kind of thing, this, no. which is, you know, which is beautiful. I mean, that, so it's really, it is just taking, like, as we know, a lot of the parkrun courses out there, you're just basically taking um, taking over an, an element of nature for, you know, a period of, you know, an hour or so, and then it goes back to being normal, and, um, yeah, it's beautiful. Now, well done. We, we absolutely loved it up here. Um, I believe uh, you got a new course record today. Yes. So 17 minutes and 10 seconds. Reese survived. <laughs> he did. Just, there's a photo of him on the web page if you want to have a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Collapsing afterwards. Well done, Reese. Um, no, nah, that's great. So, um, yeah, look, awesome. Loved it. I hope um, 
um, more people can come and check out Charleston because it is a beautiful uh, part of the world. Um, gorgeous. We're going to go and wander around some of the uh, shops now in Woodside and, yeah, support the locals. So. The park run with the cows. Park run with the cows. Indeed it is. So we took some great photos this morning of the cows and of the frost. And and the sunrise. Yeah, look, seriously, gorgeous park run. Please come and do it and, uh, yeah, get out there. Thank you so much, Kylie. Well done. Thank you. Cheers. Yep, I think that's enough of me. Uh, but we've certainly had a great time up here uh, in the Adelaide Hills uh, in Woodside uh, for the breakfast afterwards and a bit of uh, shopping at uh, a bakery, taking some excellent baked goods home. Can't wait to get back here and check out some of the uh, op shops and salvage stores, etc. when we've got a bit more time. Uh, Charleston Parkrun was amazing. Uh, definitely come and check it out. And uh, yes, for those people at home who um, have uh, wanted to become a Pirate, um, I know there is a sea that I forgot. Of course, in South Australia, you can either do Carisbrook, Charleston, Cleland, Christie's Beach, or Clare Valley. Indeed, I forgot Clare Valley. So that is the fifth sea that you can do here in South Australia if you wish to become a pirate. There are two R's. There's Renmark and Renella East. Uh, but for those uh, who wish to become a pirate and probably already are, you have to R, you have to have gone um, interstate to get uh, your two other C's or any of your C's. Uh, that's it. What a great morning. And I uh, hope everything is good back in uh, Parkrun HQ, Parkrun Podcast HQ, Scott and uh, Lindell. And, uh, yep, I hope to check back in soon with another adventure. PK signing off. See ya. A trifecta of roving reports from Tock at Port Ferry. And you guys all know this because you've just heard them, but let me go through the motions. Gary at Karkarook and PK at Charleston. Peel back the curtain, Lindor. We haven't heard them. <laughs> so we, we, But we know they were great because of they course. are three of our best. They the are Channel 5 News best. crew are rocking it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but let's roll straight into the launches because we've got another new event, cool sounding name, Charlie's Creek up in Queensland. And Lindor, you're going to give us the history of Charlie's Creek. The history of Charlie's Creek. Well, just let us know where it is. Well, that's, there's, that's there's no parkrun history at Charlie's Creek, so I'm not sure that there is a history at all because they're okay, just about to point. start writing their history because parkrun's only just come to town, Scotty. Yep. <laughs> but it's out at Chinchilla, um, which is west of Brisbane. It's probably three and a half, four hours drive, so our statesman will be uh, – Heading out that way this week, I'm sure. Schultze will be there. Schultze will be pumping some money into the regional economy. You bet. Which is great. You bet. Which is great. So good luck to Charlie's Creek crew. We have three anniversaries. Logan River, Meriwa in New South Wales. And Atherton in Queensland. So it's a very state of origin feel. Um I'm trying to make it relevant to our Queensland and New South Wales listeners. Yes. <laughs> so state of origin, if I just mention that. That's everyone's love happy. It. Everyone's yeah. happy when you mention state of origin. <laughs> Good. State of origin. Go state of origin. You know what I want to talk about? Your mate and now my mate, Tracy, um, messaged me during the week and um, she reminded me of a chat we had at the Palm Listener meetup that never made it to air because I cocked up the recording. But oh, yes. we had a chat about the other. So Tracy's one of those, or one of, the very few people in Australia, maybe the only, who has done every volunteer role on the roster. Um, 
the volunteering roles are ever evolving. So she's going to be ever chasing that. But we talked about the other role, which is this quite mysterious role within the Parkrun WebFMS system. Yes. And um, like what roles you have performed to achieve that other and um, she had a weird one. She had uh, hers was downloading photos for the photographer. Right, <laughs> it's completely random, but an essential task if the photographer doesn't have access to the internet, I guess, or or to the Facebook really page, good at, or yeah, or is really good at just pressing the button, but not so good at plugging things in. Yeah, so, maybe. Yeah, I thought of a couple. I actually haven't done the other role. Um, but I thought of a couple of options as to what that might be. This is just Lindell's made-up random ideas? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. like, on an anniversary, if you were the cake cutter and server, would that count as an other? It's a big job. It is a big job. If a lot of people are there and you're cutting up the cake, it can be a big job. I, yeah. Do you I reckon that it pass mustard? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, nice idea, Lindell. I'll pay the cake cutter and server idea. But I think we, we need to hear from our listeners on this one. We don't ask them much, and when we do, it usually fails miserably for a bit of, what is it, user-listener interaction. Um, we want to hear how you've got your other volunteer credit or ideas for the other role. Yes, because Cheer. I haven't done my other. I need yeah. ideas. I need to be able to go to a run director and say, I need my other can you let me do X, please? Look, I have it on my I have it on my roster, but I couldn't tell you what I did for it. Um, right, I can't I can't remember what I did for it. Um, I might have even given it to myself one day. I was just doing something that I couldn't find a role for, so maybe <laughs> put myself down as other. Have you been to Nambour? Not officially. Not officially. Because mm. I'm thinking mm. that if you went to Nambour, you could be the emu whisperer, and that could yeah. be your other role. The emu tamer. The yeah. emu tamer. Well, they don't need taming. I, th- I think they're pretty tame. Yeah. The yeah. emus at Nambour, they're just happy to see people. Yeah, they made the news this week. I did see that. I saw that. Yeah, they're trying to get rid of them. They're trying to get rid of them. That's a very sad um, situation. It is. I wonder if there's some kind of petition we can sign or. I'm sure. But isn't it, isn't it? So you think about it. Here's a wild animal, effectively. Apparently, it's been hand-fed, so hand-raised, is that what they say? So it's, it, that's why it's approachable and it's good with humans. Um, but it's now been released in the wild. It's in the bush. It's in a conservation park, and people are trying to get it removed because I'm not sure why. Where it are they going to take it? Or something. To exactly. A, to another conservation park? <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the places you want emus to be, this is where you want them to be. <laughs> You don't want them hanging out at the supermarket or, some, you know. Some miserable person has said no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I, yeah, that, that's on my list to get back to Nambour before the Nambors are, before the emus are removed. I, I want to go and hang out with them again. Yeah. Where are you going this week? I don't know, Scotty. Oh, another cliffhanger. Another cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep people entertained, Scotty. Yeah, we do. We do. Keep Tune in changed. next week. Yep. What about you, Scotty? Have you got plans? I've got plans, yeah. I've got plans, but not. I haven't locked them down. I'm going for a run with someone, and um, I'll tell you all about it next week. All righty. Sounds like not a plan. 100% sure, yeah. yeah. So it's been a long episode. It's been a really long episode. Great chat with Lee. Um, thanks for sharing 
his story and spending time with us and all the roving reports that we haven't listened to. But I'm going to go back now and listen to them when I put all this together. Lyndall, great chatting to you. Um, at least one more week. At least one more one week. One more week. Excellent. I'll be here. Check in with Mel and see how she's going and see if she's ready to return and if I'm ready for her to return. Um, but until next week, happy park ride.